Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. This is episode number 221. I'm J.R. Foresteros. And I'm Matt Michalatos. <laughs> I'm Clay Morgan. On this week's show, we're going to be talking with author, speaker, and musician Justin McRoberts. Hold who on, hold on. Wrote what, the reflective what, 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 what was what, that? What? You were supposed to go second. Why? Because JR said, let's do said. it where I go first and then Clay and then Matt so that Clay has the least to say. Yeah. No, I'm following the order. I wasn't listening to what you were actually talking about. I'm just. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think that because I did that intro so well, you tried to sabotage it. <laughs> oh, it's payback it's for all good. those years. Uh, it's JR and then, uh, right. then Clay. I can read. Okay, that's fine. Let's do oh, it again. we're following that this week? We okay. follow that every week. It's true. That's what you say, and then we don't. We always do. JR always wants to fight it, but that's okay. All right. Here we go. And then Matt can take it away after. Uh, listen, JR was the only one that did his thing in the right order, so I don't know how we're blaming <laughs> it on me somehow. Great job of keeping up with the order of go first. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's all you're doing. <clears throat> you gonna say all day, little dog? Or you gonna spray? Oh wait, that's not how that goes. <laughs> Just waiting for giggles to subside. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. This is episode number 221, and I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Matt Michelatos. I'm Clay Morgan. <laughs> On this week's show, we'll be talking with author, speaker, and musician Justin McRoberts, who wrote the Reflective Prayer Guide, the book, Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, which might surprise you, because last week we told you we would be talking about medieval Korean zombies, but we changed our mind. What actually happened is Kathy is out of town this week on vacation. And she did not want us to do an episode about Korean television without her for some reason. I know. So but we, we're waiting. But we do what we want. We're waiting for Kathy to be back so we can talk about Korean zombies. <laughs> we do have one quick story uh, to share with you all before we jump into talking to Justin. And that is, did you guys see this? The man, it's not Jonah, the man who was swallowed by a whale. Did you guys see this? Geppetto? I did not. <laughs> no. Wait, literally? Like <laughs> so last death? week, a uh, snorkeler in South Africa, so it's actually a dive tour operator uh, named Rainer Schimpf, was out snorkeling and suddenly found himself s swallowed into the mouth of a whale. And there's we have a link to the video and the whole thing. It's pretty crazy. There's a video? Yeah, there's a... Yep. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's like a baleen whale of some sort. So it's not trying to eat him. It like scooped up a bunch of water, and he happened to be in it. And he was okay. Did he start a fire in its stomach so that it would have to to sneeze him out? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's okay. He said he wasn't even afraid. It happened so fast that he kind of knew what happened, and he was just holding his breath, hoping it would spit him out. Uh, and it did. Uh, and it said, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. and just kept swimming. Nice. <laughs> Do you think this gives flat earthers any more legitimacy? 
No, nothing could possibly give Flat Earthers legitimacy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm super excited about our guest today because, uh, you know, we've never we've never done merch as a podcast. Um, and and I have to say that my earliest memory of Justin McRoberts is that he came and performed a show at the college that I attended. Really? And he, he, yes. And so this is, this is just as I was beginning to get angsty and disillusioned with evangelical culture. And he had a t-shirt that said, they will know we are Christians by our (laughs) t-shirts. And I thought it was the like best thing I had ever seen. Like I, I, I literally told stories about that shirt for ages. I did not have enough money to purchase one at the time. Uh, but I, I always remember Justin McRoberts, uh, great musician, fun show, and just like the best t-shirt I had ever seen. So as soon as we got on the pre-show and he started talking about all these different t-shirts we can make from our conversations, I was like, like, this is it. This I've reached pinnacle podcasting experience. So <laughs> I think we make like 10 t-shirt jokes throughout the course of this episode. And uh, if we don't, yeah, make I don't know, them, maybe we should, who will? Good yeah. point, Clay. So, uh, and that's like, that's not even like the good part of the episode. That's just like the filler in between stuff. I, Justin is great. I could talk to him for ages. So uh, I'm super excited for this interview. And Matt, you've known him forever, right? Yeah. I mean, we grew up in kind of the same area in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we kept crossing paths. And when we're in our 20s, uh, we went on a trip together uh, to Mexico where both of us were kind of like counselors. He was doing the worship. Uh, I did some of the teaching and like, you know, hanging out with the high schoolers. Uh, and we just became buddies then. It was just a really fun trip. Got to know each other and uh, have been friends ever since. That's awesome. Uh, well, uh, we actually talked to Justin for quite a while, so we should probably go ahead and hop over to the interview with Justin Grumpens. Our guest today is musician, author, generally all-around awesome pop culture guru, Justin McRoberts. <laughs> Justin, welcome to the Fascinating Podcast. Oh I honestly can't believe this is the first time we've had you on the show. Yeah, I, that's what that's how I wanted to lead with, was why. What's What happened? Long-time so, listener, first-time caller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, would you perhaps care to address this? Yeah, I I was waiting. I You know how when your friends have podcasts, you kind of want to see if they want you on their podcast first? Yeah. And so I was waiting. Justin finally invited me on his podcast. And then I was like, okay, we should have Justin <laughs> on ours then. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Matt Which, is such a professional. He wanted to vet Justin first. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. After okay. 20 years, I mean, of per, after 20 years of personal knowledge. Right. We've only known each other since our twenties and it, it t- I'm slow. I'm just slow to trust. Mm-hmm. So it took some time. <laughs> I'm into that. Now. <laughs> well, Justin, welcome to the show. Uh, for all of our first-time guests, we ask, uh, what just generally in your life fascinates you? Is there like some big burning question you're just always <laughs> questing after in your spirit? Yeah, uh, it's um, when people actually change and why. I love that. I find it fascinating. And what, what uh, like, what is the range? Like, what do you think are possible answers there? Uh, um, y- so either really actually fall in love with something or someone like there's an actual, like there's like it's evidence of actual it's evidence. I, this is probably going to go way biblical here. It's either love or fear. Right. I think like, like, so what is it you fall in love with or what is it you're deathly afraid of? I think those are the things that generally lead to actual life change. I'm either deathly afraid of something. And so I alter my behavior 
or I'm actually I'm actually loving or in love with something or someone, and therefore I alter my behavior. That's interesting. So it's, fa- so it it's not be, just interesting. It's fascinating. It's yeah. Yes. So w- what part of the world are you in, Justin? I'm in Martinez, California, which is uh, inland from San Francisco, Oakland. Okay. And Justin, yeah. you do a lot of work. Uh, I mean, you do a lot of work. You release albums uh, consistently, and you have what? This is your third book, right? And uh, yes, yeah. And you work with Compassion International and Young Life. Like, tell us a little bit about some of the. Yeah, other things you're involved in. Uh, so, like, like you mentioned, I run a podcast uh, called At Sea with Justin Rick Roberts. Um, I was actually just last night at a Young Life event uh, locally. Uh, a lot of the stuff I do with Young Life has is more tied to the speaking, teaching part of my life, where I'll do like fundraisers and banquets and that kind of thing, or, or lead retreats for leaders and staff. Um, my role with Compassion, I was on the road just as last weekend with a couple rock bands up in the northeast where there i had like a 20 25 minute spot like during the show where i would come out and storytell and invite people to sponsor kids uh and i've been doing that since like 2004 with compassion was uh, that like slayer or when you say rock in bands? fact was slayer yes they've, nice. they've they've really turned a corner uh <laughs> there weren't a lot of people in the room but uh <laughs> No, not not much with Slayer. I, the band's name was Unspoken. Was the name of the headline? Oh band? yeah, <laughs> really, really sweet guys. Not really, really he's spoken. Are you meant to not say to that be- about rock musicians that they're sweet guys? I, well, you, don't you have to? <laughs> like, you have to, these, so you know that they're not like, destroying their hotel yeah, rooms. Like I'm sure these rock and roll guys, they're really, really sweet guys though. And so it's like <laughs> it is the caveat. <laughs> I see. That's good. Justin, have you played any shows in Pennsylvania over the years? Did you ever make it out to Creation or on the East there? Yep. So uh, for a stretch from like from like 2000 to about 2008, I was in Pennsylvania like 14, 50, 14 or 15 shows a year. I had this mm. I had something kind of clicked between like Grove City College, Messiah College. Yeah. Um, and all the festivals. Uh, so creation, I played two or three times. I wasn't great, um, festival material for a bunch of reasons. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a white guy with an acoustic, acoustic guitar and I'm not super popular. So that puts me at like a three o'clock <laughs> slot in the, in the, in the heat, like well, you're doing the across from a band book. where I'm like across from some <laughs> massive, like super loud, like metal ish band. And so I was like, <laughs> I'm like like playing my songs best I can. This is a song about singing, and then to be across the Have you ever thought about adding a harmonica though, yeah. Justin? Would that help? <laughs> you mean to the metal or to me? Oh no, I was thinking to you, but actually the metal that might be interesting. No, no I don't multitask, man. I can't. Oh. I can't do it. It's enough to just do the guitar and the singing thing. Got it. <laughs> Are you trying to make me? Are you trying to take me whiter than I am? Like, how do we make my You know what we could do is we could throw in a harmonica. Harmonica. And then if you could show some cultural appropriation by using a banjo. Oop, there it is. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. It is perfect. At last. Uh, so I'm legit curious. I'm going to circle back around to where you talked about being fascinated by when people genuinely change. Yeah. 
because you have this new book where you're talking about prayer. Yeah. And I think, I think the idea of change is wrapped up with the idea of prayer for a lot of us. Yeah. But maybe at least for me growing up in an evangelical church in mostly in the wrong ways. Hmm. Uh, so what do you mean? Maybe, uh, like I would pray to change things in the world. Right. Like, so for me, it was like, why do you pray? You pray to change something. Like I didn't study for this test. Please. G- I mean, that's, that's like, <laughs> please, Jesus that's cliche. That's cliche. But like a hundred percent, I prayed that prayer more than once. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like right, right. I didn't, I didn't do what I was supposed to do to be ready for this moment. Jesus, please literally work a miracle, like do something yeah. against the laws of nature so that it ends up okay for me. Yeah. Right. Um, so I get maybe before I, I, I want to hear about your, like how, how that fascination worked into this prayer, this mm. book on prayer. But I would love to hear first, since I think we all grew up in the evangelical stew, just like when, when someone says, let's talk about prayer, like, what does that evoke in, in us? Or like, what is our experiences of prayer? Um, so Part of, the, part of what we communicate, Scott Erickson is the is the co-author illustrator of the book. Uh, what, part of what we communicate when when we get to talk about this live up front, we do this show that we're actually taking on tour in the fall. Um, and part of what we get to you is that there are there, um, most of our under. Uh, I'm I'll try to overspeak here. Most of my um, like understanding of what prayer is, like when I hear the word prayer, it's really, it's, it's defined in the same way that like heaven is defined, which is to say, it's like, Hmm. it's not really rooted in reality. It's rooted in like cartoons. Like when people think about heaven, like what's heaven look like? We go to movies, we go to like, you know, where Donald Duck or Bugs Bunny goes to or something like that. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's the clouds clouds and harps and all this kind of, it's like, well, and no one means that, right? Like it's not, you don't really mean there are clouds and harps, but the other side of the coin is like somewhere in the back of your head, heaven has clouds and harps uh, or right. something along those lines. And I think prayer is a lot that same, works that same way with folks. It's like there's there are these assumptions of what prayer is and what it feels like, mostly what it feels like that you don't really believe, like when you put it on the table and say, uh, like this is what prayer feels like, it's this warm glow of sunset and etc like if you put that on the table you're like nah not really but in the back of your head you're like yeah kind of uh so i so i do part of the presentation is i'll show you know some of the top 15 20 images from google if i google the word prayer and it is it's like sunsets behind the cross and someone kneeling with their (laughs) eyes closed and their hands folded and all that kind of and it's like and it's goofy and it's funny but the other side of the coin is something in the back of my mind told me for a long time that if my prayer life didn't feel like that looked, that something was wrong and I wasn't having prayer. So I think that's where, that's like where our assumptions start. It's like stuff we believe, but don't believe and don't want to believe that we believe. Uh, I think that's where our assumptions kind of begin. And it's weird. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to say exactly where that stuff comes from. It just like happens by osmosis. I, I think for me, like I can, tell pretty clearly where it comes from. It's like Wednesday nights, every week at the churches I grew up in was prayer meeting night, which is where fewer people come, the people who are serious, right? Yeah, man. Uh, Where you come and it's deathly, deathly boring. And there's an enormous (laughs) amount of rules. Uh, Like sit very quietly. Don't speak. If you do speak, speak this way. 
you know, for this amount of time and be sure to follow the formula, mm. you know, and all this kind of stuff. It was never about, it never felt like, Hey, we're just in the middle of life. It was like, we have stopped all of life to do this thing now. Yeah, uh, man, that's super key. Especially as a kid, man, it just felt like this is worse than church because this is prayer time. <laughs> prayer, <laughs> prayer, yeah, worse than church. <clears throat> it's, a new, it's a new T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, and how and how poignant though, like the thing you just said, we have stopped all of life to make room yeah. for this religious thing. And again, in the same way that those images the sunset behind the cross, all that kind of stuff are actually divorced from real life. Cause no one actually feels that way or at least very rarely feels that way. The idea that like prayer is a thing that happens sort of in this realm that is not life. So it can't sound like you sound. So pr your prayers, if you're really praying, don't actually sound like you. It sounds like some heightened language or some sort of more informed language, but they couldn't possibly sound like you actually having a conversation. And you got to say Lord God and Father God a lot. Right. Yeah, which is like the goofy kind of cheesy example. But like, yeah, you don't be like, so Matt Michelotos, tell me Matt Michelotos about, I mean, Matt Michelotos, <laughs> here's what I'm saying, Matt Michelotos. Like no one actually, like we can, but, but yeah, it's exactly that way. It's like, you don't actually talk like that. When I was in youth group, um, I started – is this, is this with, last week or earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, last week and you know. When, uh, like when I was in high school, I I started praying with the biggest vocabulary that I could. <laughs> specifically because I thought it sounded holier and yes. it made it more it made it it was like a way for me, I'm a three in the Enneagram. So it was a way for me to get attention. So like mm -hmm. I would just say like Lord God, in your mercies, you have humbly gathered us here to, and I would just go on these big like they're probably not actually eloquent. And the, at the time, they felt like I was reciting, reciting Shakespeare. The voluptuousness uh, and, of your holiness. That's right, yeah. <laughs> wow. And of course, all the adults were like, oh, he's so spiritual, which which fed all of the wrong parts of my ego. Can someone um, please drop a prayer book called The Voluptuousness of Your Holiness? <laughs> it was so like, crazy. Can we please? <laughs> that needs uh, to happen so badly. T-shirt. T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was still that idea that like, I mean, at the heart, of, at the root of that was still this idea that in order for prayer to be done right, it had to still be other, right? Like yeah. exterior to our, our normal experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Clay, what was it like for you growing up, prayer stuff? Yeah, you know, I went to the um, Sunday night service every night until I was like a teenager, which was just the Sunday night prayer service, I think it was kind of like, like morning church service, but they would, um, they would, they would add in testimonies and stuff. And I would, I would go to youth group on Wednesdays cause I went to a Christian school. Right. So there was like always prayer everywhere. And I would, I went, I went on uh, Wednesday nights and I would do youth group. And I remember every once in a while we would be like on the move to go play a game outside and I would peek into the sanctuary <laughs> and I would see all the adults, like all 17 of them just sitting in there, like praying <laughs> Yeah, and it did. It looked like the worst place on earth you could be, like when you're on your way to kickball or something. <laughs> but I was a kid when I was uh, nine, ten. I don't know, seven, eight. I'm not sure. Like I just had this standard boilerplate prayer that I said every night. It was like a mantra, you know, hmm. like help all the sick people in the world. Thank you, and the missionaries. Thank you for all the good things. Like I can't remember what it was, but like I remember being at a point. Maybe I was like eleven or twelve, and I was like, that probably isn't very meaningful. <laughs> and that was yeah. that was it. It was like a ritual. 
Yeah. I had admit, believe, confess the ABC prayer. Yeah. Oh, we did uh, the Acts prayer, right? Uh, Oh, Acts, that's what, yeah. Adoration, confession, Confession. thanksgiving, supplication. Trying to get those big words in, JR. Yep. Okay. Uh, Well, I think we should get this out of the way then. You know, there's always the guy who's the most holy in the room, whether it's because he uses the the big words or because he says the and thou while praying. Yes. Uh, And we got to know right now in this podcast that we have an author who wrote a book on prayer. (laughs) So he's going to be a spiritual giant. Yes. Like an expert. Amen. So tell us, like, without making us feel stupid and like we're not good at spiritual things, why you're the spiritual giant who knows everything about prayer. Uh, it's the book, really. I mean, once you put a book out. You're like, an expert. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like getting an instant degree. Um, That's why no, when Clay puts out the voluptuousness of your holiness, the, the, the you get a lot of weird emails. Of your holiness. And oh, just think about so the cover. If, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I, so, I mean, the, the the predictable turn here is like I'm certainly not an expert, and most of the most of what I'm most of what happened with the prayer book was, uh, or the impetus for the prayer book initially was me trying to figure the thing out, and the and what folks resonated. So I started writing these prayers during Lent, like four or five years ago, and just put and posting these prayers to Twitter or to Facebook that were more. Um, it was, it wasn't like desperation, but it was like, I, I was feeling disconnected from my own prayer life and from religious practice. Um, and here comes Lent and the sort of America suddenly wakes up for 40 days and pretend that's religious. And I was like, I wanted to join in and feel like I was in the thing. And I felt divorced from my own faith life and religion and, and prayer practice. And the, the, like the prayers were ways for me to like, actually like, um, like, what does it sound like in my own mind to talk to God? What's it actually sound like in my mind to, mm. to say things that sound like me? And what and what ended up happening was folks started resonating. Not, I don't know if they. Nece- I, I would have to ask everybody, but I don't think folks were resonating necessarily with like prayer in general, but with like the journey. With like, here's a guy trying to like. It seemed like here's someone who's trying to figure it out. It wasn't like here's here's something that makes sense. Here's something that's like perfectly aligned with a particular tradition or an expression. It was like, oh, he's trying to figure this out. Here's a doorway, and and folks seem to feel like, well, this is the part I know. Folks felt like if I could say it that way, then maybe there was room for them. Mm-hmm. That if I could pray like this, maybe maybe there's room for their own expression. So, like it, it's my my expertness, whatever, has more to do with like uh, I don't know the the wherewithal and courage to kind of, I don't want to say like forge my own path, but like to risk sounding foolish Mm. um, and try to try something to see if it worked. Um, That's the, that's like the one thing I think that we had that I had going for me initially was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try something and trust that there's something to this. as opposed to try to get it right and hope that I do. So the book also includes a collaboration with another artist, mm-hmm. Scott Erickson. Um, what what came first? When did when did that element come in? How was collaboration the process? And yeah, and did that add? Uh, did that change the way you might have produced this book otherwise? Yeah. So after two years, maybe three. After two years of doing, yeah, two, 
after the third year of doing the thing where I would just post these prayers, 40 prayers over the course of Lent, uh, I was, uh, I was thinking about like how to, how to galvanize that work. Like it seemed like there was something to it. Like there, there was something divine happening in it. There was like a real thing going on between people and these prayers in people in relationship to these prayers. And I thought, well, uh, and I don't know if you guys vibe this, but like there still is something um, less permanent or less uh, authoritative about like a uh, b- between like a Facebook post versus a book. So, I mean, you can reach more people way faster by posting something to Twitter or Facebook. Like the, the spread of a video on, on YouTube is it, like it, it's massive versus like actually putting together a book, which has a smaller reach by number, but still ha- carries this sort of cultural weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that ri- does that rhyme with y'all? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. Like there's the, and I don't know, I, I, I can't really put my finger on exactly what that is. And it could be like, I'm still beholden to certain gatekeepers in my mind, or maybe there really is something. <laughs> but like at the time I was like, I, I think there's something real going on here. And I want it to, f- I want it to f- have some actual cultural gravity to it. So I started floating the idea of this book around <laughs> and literally like the conversations I would have with, and I didn't know a lot of publisher type people, but it was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this book and here's what their prayers are like. And they're like, that's neat, but no, no one wants this. <laughs> and so, and I was like, cool, that's, that's great. That's how I feel. That's, that's good. That's, 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 that's good to um, know. I'm a, I'll be over here in the corner. And, uh, so the next step was like, so how do I make this into something that's worthwhile? And I had been paying attention to Scott's work, Scott Erickson's work since running into him a couple years ago, a couple years before that in, in Texas. <clears throat> and I loved what he was doing with imagery and uh, spiritual communication. So we literally, <clears throat> we met in the, at, at a, a, a gathering called Jubilee up in Pittsburgh. And we sat down on a bench and talked for like 20 minutes and I just said, Hey, so I've got this thing. I'd love to throw it at you and see if you'd be interested in pairing some of your imagery with these prayers. And a month and a half later, he threw the first like 10 or 12 at me. And I was, and it really like, it brought life that I didn't expect. Uh, like it felt like, okay, this is really like, this could really, really, really be a thing. Like this isn't just me taking some stuff from the internet and putting it on paper. This has something else going on. Um, so it, it was me bringing it to Scott, but that's how it happened was like, I was trying to figure out how to make this work in a way that had cultural resonance and weight. And uh, I didn't know that pairing visuals with the, with the prayers was like the thing. Like I didn't go after that, but like, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to stop. I, no, I won't stop shy of saying this. But it was this divinely or- orchestrated moment where it was like, I was looking for a thing and I, it really feels like the spirit set me up to connect with a guy who was trying to do something similar. That uh, Jubilee event, isn't that at uh, ACAC, uh, Allegheny County, the Alliance Church in Pittsburgh? Um, the, I think the, what you're looking for is, is ATAT and uh, the people call them ADATs. But the, no. Uh, <laughs> Clay, that's a Star Wars joke. Uh, there you go. Clay's there never you seen go. Star Wars. No, it's a, so a Jubilee is a, is a gathering of like 5,000 college students up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at, and they meet in the, at the, um, the, the convention center downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard about it for years. I used to live in Pittsburgh most of my life. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I freaking love that town. It's a good town. It's a great town. Uh, 
So I want to I want to ask a little bit more about the format before we move into the content because I think when I first looked at the book and 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 saw you t- you know posting about it and things like that I I assumed it was going to be another like here's how to pray kind of a book and it's not really that I mean there's a little bit of that in the introduction but this is this is more of a book that like invites you to just start praying if, I don't know if that makes sense oh but, yeah um, how how early into putting this together was that your in- was that your goal? Was that because of how people responded to, to mm-hmm. the social media posts yep. from the beginning? Yeah. I mean, so uh, again, in the introduction, there's a little bit of a push towards this, that what I tend to do as a, as an author of spiritual things is to think that what I'm generating is content. And I think that's, a, I think I miss when I think that way, that actual content is what's happening between a person and God in their own souls or own lives, neighborhoods. Like the activity of the divine in human, in the human world is like, that's actual content. And what I get to provide can be like tools, clarity. Um, it can be born out of the content of my life, but the content of my life is the, the ongoing ever present conversation between God and myself in my own soul, my life, my neighborhood, my neighbor, in uh, my family, et cetera. That became really clear to me as I was watching folks who had no religious tradition or inclination whatsoever respond to these prayers online that they were recognizing like, oh, snap, like there's actually like spiritual stuff happening in me, in my mind, in my neighborhood, in my family. And so we didn't want to, and I'm not even qualified to do it, even, even if I want to, to write a, like a book about prayer, like here's what prayer is. Uh, it wasn't even interesting to do, but more like what I'm really interested in is people I care about recognizing the activity of God as it exists in their lives, in their hearts, in their minds, in their neighborhoods, their families already. Instead of one more book that makes you feel like here's some stuff you got to do in order to get over here so that you can get in on the God thing. To do what my young life leader did, which is to say like, here's your life. I'm going to meet you where you are and point out the ways in which God's already present to it. So that's what that like the the vibe of the book was like. Just open your mouth and start praying. Here's here's an image. Here's a prompt. It's not many words. You might like them. You might not. But just get in. Here's some handles. Get started, and let this excavate help you excavate what's going on inside your own heart, your own soul, because that's where the goods are. Hmm. So can we, Jess and I? I, w- I want to take one of those many prayers that you shared on social media, but that are in the book. You know, they just take. They take up a page because you use a very large font, um, but <laughs> it's just a sentence, right? Uh, like you really, yes. I bet Rob Bell is super jealous. He looks at it. He's like, I could have done that. Um, the uh, woman only hope. <laughs> I, mean, I know. It, I, let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest. I don't know that Rob Bell gets jealous, but let's move on from there. I'm not sure Rob's got that going on. Um, yeah. <sighs> Um, so anyway, all that to say, I think these, what I love about it is you see these prayers and you just by reading the sentence, it's like you're praying. Uh, so I wanted to Hmm. talk about a couple of them. So here's one, and maybe you could just share a little bit about it. Like what brought this to light? What, what what did this do for you? Why this? Uh, so here's one of them. It said this, uh, may the reality that I cannot know the whole truth never keep me from bearing witness to what I can and do see. (laughs) Um, so I don't, uh, here's what I can do with that is, is I know how that hits me 
now. Okay, great. The, so what, and what I, what I think the bit, that's not the best way to say it, but the, yeah, the way that resonates with me now is interrelationally uh, part of what I'm in, in the last few days uh, is I'm in relation uh, in a, in two specific relationships, they're like discoveries and revelations uh, about like deception and um, like misgiving and miscommunication. There's like only so much that I knew, but I thought I knew more. And I've been acting as best I could on the information that I know, but I but I felt deceived. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So this is this is this is what these prayers do for me is they get inside and they're like what's going on in your soul your life right now. So like here's here's the truth as I know it. I'm acting as best and as faithfully as I can on what I know and trying to right now uh feel good about feel okay about uh living faithfully in a relationship to people who weren't telling me whole truths and just functioning as best I could on what I knew. That's what that prayer does for me right now is it helps me delve into that. Like, okay, you know what? This is, I'm like, this doesn't have to be about what these people are saying. This can be about like me doing the best I can with what I've been given with regards to the truth. That's how the, that's how that prayer resonates with me right now. Hmm. Does that make some sense in terms of how that, how that functions? Totally. And I love, it kind of hits on the fact that, uh, these prayers might mean something today. And like, if I prayed it two months from now, it might have it a very be. different resonance depending <laughs> on what's happening in my life. Right. Which is again, like part of what we wanted to do with the book was say like, you're the thing you're like, you're the thing that counts. The book is not the thing that counts. You're the thing that counts. Like what's going on. And I'm going to go way over the line here. I think that's also the way a lot of the scriptures work where it's like, like, like it's not what was happening in Corinth at the time that really ultimately matters with, with regards to like the value of the scriptures over millennia. It's, it's what's happening in this, like in churches now and the way these scriptures stir up and form and, and stir up form and inform what's happening now. Like that's what, mm-hmm. like that's the power of the spirit through the scriptures. That's the power of the word of God is not like, here's what happened in Corinth. <laughs> it's not like, well, here's what happened. Here, here's the way what happened in Corinth resonates with informs and unpacks what's happening in Portland right now. Mm-hmm. That's what we wanted to do with the book was like, yeah, next week you might be a different person. So I want to give you a prayer that allows you to unpack next week, next week, unpack today, today, as opposed to like, I read that prayer. I get it. I can move on. It's really good. I I think it's really effective too, Justin. Like I found, I have four copies of your book, by the way. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and I've given a few away. I think what I love about it is when I do pick it up, it doesn't require, I don't have to spend five hours on it, right? Like when I'm picking up a Dallas Willard book about prayer, for instance, um, which I love. Yeah. But uh, I can literally just grab it and spend a minute with it and feel like I've prayed. I've done something, you know, I'm connected. Uh, and I, I, I think it's a, it's a really valuable tool for that, that it provides that kind of space in such a short amount of time. It's really, yeah, I amazing. love that. I love hearing that. Uh, JR or Clay, was there one that you saw that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, this is one that I think just really gets to the core of where I am and where I am like pastorally and personally, which is, uh, may I speak into the lives of those I love because I love them and not because I think I'm right. Mm. 
How, what's that resonate? How, like, in what way does that resonate with you? What's that doing in you? Well, so I, I suffer from an overabundance of self-confidence uh, <laughs> just in general in life. That's another and, great, that's another great teacher. <laughs> <laughs> We're just really rolling them out Currently today. suffering from an overabundance <laughs> of self-confidence. It's all on So the I think, I think one of my, uh, ongoing works that the spirit is doing in me is, is that of humility mm-hmm. and being able to receive another person as they are, not as I wish them to be. Mm. Um, but as a corollary, our congregation, we work, we work really, really hard to be truly, truly diverse, like multicultural, not just multi-ethnic. And that's requiring us to, again, receive people as they are, not as we wish they were, or not as they are, as long as they're pretending to be like us, Mm. um, or as they are, as long as they're hiding those parts of themselves that they don't think we would like. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, that's just, it's, it's difficult to live in authentic community with other people. Yep. I think it's, uh, it's easy to do that kind of shallow pseudo community thing and actually living in harmony and in, in genuine love for people who are truly strange to our, to ourselves hmm. is, is difficult. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah, one that jumped out at me, and this is weird because there's there's so many years of my life I would have never have thought that this would be the one that resonated with me, and that's why this would be an interesting book to you know, revisit over and over again at different stages of life. But because it has been a little bit of a different world in the last couple of years, and probably because I'm coming off a pretty hard season myself, yeah. this one says, may I have the eyes to see this as a good world in need of restoration. Mm rather than a bad world and an obstacle to my personal peace and rest. And it does get, I, you know, I feel like at mid middle age, I'm starting to understand all those crusty old guys that I always <laughs> brushed off my whole life. Like, so true. why are you old people so miserable about everything? Yeah. And like the more and more I encounter ignorant people, stupid people, and, and I mean ignorant from the sense of maybe their views, but stupid from the fact of I'm just tired of doing everybody's job for them all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that's a graceless way to view people. Like I, yeah, I never was like this. <laughs> and it's just been like a beating of what is wrong with her. Like, seriously, if you just stop and think about anything for two seconds, surely you could do better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I spend a lot more energy. <laughs> Uh, probably passively or subconsciously even, um, you know, wondering what's wrong with the world. Whereas I spent so much of my life, you know, typically seeing the good in everybody. And like, this is so, so for me, that just happens to be in the last couple of years, uh, a prayer that would resonate like, yeah, this is a good world. And, and people, you know, I do want to circle back to what I've always believed that people are genuinely good for the most part. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a good one for this season in my life. A good reminder that I don't live in a bad world surrounded by bad people, and it's not about me. Yeah, and it, what it, what it potentially does is, I mean, like as a prayer, more so than a theology, because it like because some of what ends up happening with prayer is it cuts to theology, right? Like this sort of idea in my mind of how the world works. Prayer ends up being more functional because it becomes more relational. It's more responsive. Like we don't go to prayer because of the things we believe. We go to prayer because of the things that are happening, um, the thing and the, like the situations we're in. 
I don't go to pray because I have a theological like notion that I'm supposed to pray. I go to pray, actually pray because there's stuff going down in my life that propels me to prayer. So when I go to pray about stuff that's broken around me or people who are stepping on my feet or in your situation, like people who are stupid, um, like to go to prayer with the posture of like, how do I, how do I recognize this person, this con, you know, this person in their context <laughs> in goodness rather than in corruption? Because if what I buy in prayer is that this person needs to change in order for me to move, this person needs to change and move in order for me to be okay, then I'm then I get to just fully live in control, and then I I just I I I want this person to change, I want this person to not be who they were, and and nothing about me needs to alter at all. Whereas, if my prayer is that this is a good world and there's something good about this person then I'm actually open to like, okay, what do I need to do then in relationship to this person and that situation in order to make right of me, make right of my workplace, make right in that relationship. Like it actually becomes a matter of propulsion as opposed to just judgment. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. Like, you know, it's, it's more the ignorance of like where all the hate that seems to be so prevalent lately is coming from. Like how, how do we feel like we're going backwards, right? We should, mm we seemed like we had made so much progress and now it seems like we're just so, uh, we're just so hateful. And the mm. thing is, is like, if you fall into that trap, then you also become, you know, you let the toxins in and then you start to like want to dismiss those people rather than move towards light and love. Yeah. That's good. I love that. Justin, uh, we're, we're about out of time, but, uh, can you, can you tell us a little bit like kind of maybe as our last question before we go to where you are online and what's fascinating us, what's, can you tell us a little bit about your personal prayer practice? Like right now in this season of life you're in? Yeah. So I, um, I wake up about four 30 most mornings. Uh huh. Uh, and I leave the house by about four fifty because that's how long it takes me to gather all my stuff, and go to the gym. And I leave the gym usually by six or so. Um, just to be clear, I I totally thought you were setting up a joke when you said you got up at four thirty. Nope, this is on the real. <laughs> this is this um, actually true. Okay. And uh, and between six and when I've got to be back in the in <clears throat> my house by seven when everyone starts to wake up and got to move towards school or have you, um, I'll do any number of things, uh, in terms of, in terms of what it looks like to pray. So some of that'll be a, some form of examine in which like I'll, I'll take a look at the day before and, uh, and then look forward to the day in front of me, or I'll just sit quietly as best I can and just get silent and, like listen to see if God has something to say, or I'll have a book that kind of draws me into prayer, but like, I'll give myself that hour to move into whatever it is that I connect with the key there for me. And this is why I set the whole thing up is like, it's early enough that I'm not responsible to anybody. So, because I have a problem with like spiritual things always feel like a luxury. Um, and that I'm like, I'm stealing time from my family or from work. And I've never been able to chase that out of my head. Like I've never been able to get out of my head. Like if I take time to pray in the middle of the day or whatever, when other people are doing things, I feel guilty. I can't chase that out of my head. So instead of trying to fight that battle, I just moved it and put it in, a, put my primary prayer time at a time when like, I'm not responsible for anything else. 
and physicality, the fact that I exercise and the get to prayer afterwards, I'm just, I'm like, without question, I'm fidgety. I got small dog syndrome. I got more energy (laughs) than my body has room for. And it's hyper distracting. So if I can come to prayer after I've put an actual workout in, I can be focused. (laughs) All that to say, like, I, I am attending to and working with my humanity in prayer. Um, as a, like, as part of my prayer practice, like I'm not trying to be something I'm not and be someone I'm not in order working to with pray. your humanity. You mean, what do you mean by that? Like I've got, like, I feel guilt. Like I'm not, I haven't been able to win the battle of like, Hey, Jesus is more important than your family or Jesus is more important than work. Like mm-hmm. if I stepped away from in the middle of my prayer in, in the middle of my work day to go pray, I would be all kinds of up in my head about like, you should be productive right now instead of praying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that I'm not going to win that battle right now. Like I'm just, I'm not. And so, and so instead, I moved it to a time in which, like, you're not going to work at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's not. That's those aren't work hours, homie. And like, I know that I'm fidgety and I get distracted. So instead of just like trying to like war through, like sit down, get quiet, be silent, be still, and discipline myself like a drill sergeant get the workout in first, like go be active and then sit. And then it's easier to sit quietly. So I'm like, I'm attending to and participating in my own humanity as a practice in my prayer. That's awesome. When your legs don't function any longer because you just did squats or whatever. Or something along then, those lines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's wise. That's wisdom. So the book is prayer 40 days of practice by Justin McRoberts. And of course, also the artist, Scott Erickson. Uh, It's a great book. Well worth your time. You should definitely check it out. Uh, Justin, where can our listeners find you online if they want to see some of your online presence? Uh, Sure. So um, most places I'm just Justin McRoberts. We've got a Facebook. I do a bit of work at Facebook um, and Instagram. I just started working over at Medium and posting. I'm doing a Lenten series. I don't know when this necessarily goes up, but I'm doing a a Lenten series uh, and I'm posting blogs over at Medium now. But those are the those are the three primary places. I spend a little bit of time on Twitter, but I mostly I'm mostly a lurker on Twitter. So Facebook and Instagram, just search my name, Justin McRoberts. And isn't it true you also have a podcast? I do have a podcast. Uh, and we had an episode go up a few days ago with Aaron uh, Nyquist or Nyquist. He says Nyquist. Other people say Nyquist. Who's right? Who knows? Case you can tell. Um, it's someone with the last name McRoberts is going to say that kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> it'll be, no, it'll be a Jones. Without question. It's a Jones who decides these things. Uh, but yeah, so uh, episode with Aaron Nyquist. Nyquist is up now. Uh, Christina Cleveland's later in the season. It's called That's You with Justin McRoberts. Awesome. Uh, we'll put links to all those in the show notes at thefascinatingpodcast.com. Uh, Justin, before we go, we wondered if you would join us in talking about something that is fascinating us all this week. Yeah, go. Uh, Great. So uh, we'll let you go last since we kind of sprung it on you. Uh, so Matt, tell us what's fascinating you this week. Uh, for me, uh, I am a longtime fan of Zorro going back huh. to the you know, the Disney TV show <laughs> from black and white, you know, uh, when I was a kid that used to be reruns of it. And I found the book Zorro by Isabel Allende, which mm. I was like a little skeptical of because she's a literary fiction writer. I was like, she's not gonna be able to write a pulp hero like Zorro. And the first 40 pages or so, I was like, oh no, oh no. Cause it's like 
telling you all the backstory of his parents and stuff. I was like, this is what it's going to be the whole way through. We're never even, he's going to put on his mask in the last page or something. Uh, but then it suddenly got very interesting right around the time that young Diego, uh, turns maybe 11 or so, like adventures start happening. Uh, and you can really see how he's going to become this person who's going to use all of his power for good. And it, hmm. it's actually, I'm not even done with the book yet. Uh, and it's just beautiful. I love it. So I'm like sneaking away to get time to read it all the time. Uh, so beautifully, beautifully written and a lot of fun also. So I, I think most anybody would enjoy it. How do you feel as a parent confessing on live radio that <laughs> the stuff about the parents is boring and bad? I think everyone knows what I mean, including my parents. Hi, mom and dad. You're the best. And Jared's always trying to get me in trouble with my mom. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Clay, what about you? So I've watched about 90 minutes of pop culture in the last three weeks. <laughs> and uh, the one thing I watched is definitely the most relevant and definitely something that's got a lot of people talking. So um, I don't uh -huh. know if anybody's watched Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Nice. <laughs> so good. Okay. I just kind of uh, let it you know, launch into the pop culture stratosphere and I wasn't paying attention to it, but I literally was just moving. And you know, that, that can be a shameful process when you realize how many things you have and how many boxes. And at the same time, I was like, well, I've got a chance to kind of like start in a new space and put my stuff out again. And what stuff do I even want? So I did put on a couple episodes and um, man, it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I, I resisted it because I thought I was going to be like hoarders and I just, he just despised that <laughs> thought that I'm going to just watch people like suffer through, you know, the sensationalism of their mental illness. But instead, um, you know, the people are pretty real and I actually like the second couple and like, they just have different kind of things. So I'm curious to see if I can actually fold my t-shirts the way she does and do that. And if I'm going to or what, but uh, definitely worth a watch. I think, it's like the kind of show that would appeal to anybody potentially because mm -hmm. who doesn't have clutter, who doesn't need space. And really what it gets at is, you know, the way you view material things, um, including for me, like nostalgia and sentimentalism as a, as a former historian, it's, it's hard not to want physical mementos of past events. Um, so yeah, I, what, I, what is the show even called? Is it called tidying up with Marie Kondo or yep, spark? Joy? I think so. Yeah. She wrote a couple Clay, books. I've never heard someone defend hoarding so eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> what that's can so I say? real. What can I say? So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's what's fascinating me lately. Okay. Uh, T-shirt idea. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a historian. That's strong. Okay. That's so strong. Okay. okay. Gosh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's really good. And the back of the shirt is just like it's like all of these images of all the crap. You get. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's like super poorly designed. It's just everywhere. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it. Offensively poorly designed. I love. Yeah, that. like the front of the shirt just has to be very plain, just with that text. <laughs> with the and then when you get to the back, you're like, "What in the world is <laughs> utter this? mess? Yeah, too much ink. That. We've it's created an entire T-shirt line during this one show. <laughs> I told yeah. you we were going to. That's really, how we started the conversation. Really yeah. Can we call our company Fancy Mics? <laughs> Fancy Mics. No one know. Uh, everyone will be like, who is Mike? And we're like, oh, you'll oh, know. We really regret naming it that. That's what we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so I'm going to cheat and do two picks. As always. Uh, one, be- I have to choose Us, Jordan Peele's latest film. Oh. It's great. It's it's worthy of all of the buzz that it's getting. It's so good. Um, can say nearly nothing without spoilers. Justin, have you seen it yet? No, I was gonna go and I was gonna go like four or five nights ago in Philadelphia, and and then I heard someone say it's not that great, and I was like, ha! Huh. And I should have doubted them because everything yes. I've heard since then is that it's top notch. It's just hard, dude, because you got to be up at four in the morning to work out. So I understand. Not in Philadelphia, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Seven in the morning there, huh? There you go. In Philadelphia, you just have to do the Rocky Steps, and then that's a full workout. So yeah, and that happened in the middle of the day. So yeah, so no, it's uh, now I'm going to say more things than I was intended to. So it's it's not anything at all like Get Out, like at all. Um, Jared, that'd be a good T-shirt think- for you. Now I'm going to say more things than I intended to. <laughs> yeah, that, I need that basically every day. Uh. It, I think a lot of the people who haven't been as hot on it, uh, l- several of the critics I follow freely admitted that they went in with, with expectations the film had no intention of meeting. Hmm. And so, I don't know, like, I I didn't think it was quite as good as Get Out in some ways. I thought it was way better than Get Out in other ways. So, Like it's a pure know. horror I, film, is that? I don't want, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, we can fine. talk about it once you all have seen it. Fine. So... Um, I would just say I thought it was great and I can't wait to go see it again. So cool. my other pick is a band. Uh, so Sunday night I saw the Dolly Rots and Go Betty Go in Dallas mm-hmm. at a little little club called Three Links. And a local Dallas punk band opened for them called Not Your Girlfriends. That's not you are. And then girlfriends is G-I-R-L-F-R-E-N-Z. Not your girlfriends. Hmm. They are... 14 years old, 14 years what? old, and 12 years old. Yes. And they were amazing. What? Like, they were so What is good. this story? Oh, yes. They all had they all had the black X's on their hands because they were minors. Their moms were running their merch booth. Yeah, no. Like it oh it was God. that joke, except they were fantastic. Like so much fun, so good. I couldn't believe how good. Now again, they're not like the best punk band I've ever heard in my life, but like I could not believe how good their songwriting was, how how good like how good their show womanship was. Strong. They were nice move. Yeah, they were they performed like a touring band. That's awesome. And their banter with the crowd and everything. Are they homeschooled? Uh, like how do they have time? I, I don't have any idea, and I don't want to ask those questions. I don't want to be like, so no offense, but like, how are you good? <laughs> yeah, right. You just went and got a t-shirt. I did. I, I'm wearing it right now, yes. actually. So, uh, yeah, they're not your girlfriends. Uh, they're on all the streaming services. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. They've, like, they've got a lot of subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, they have a couple of music videos. But again, I watched the music video, and I'm like, this... This is really good. This is a this is a music Dude, video. Like it's if if I hope I didn't you know anything about them, I would have so we can get them on the show. Yeah, I know. It's right, right here. It's, it's so, uh, I'll pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not your girlfriends. Uh, they have like an EP and then a couple of singles out. Uh, they're great, man. They're great. They're super fun. And and again, if you want to come down to Dallas and check out a live show, I'll go with you. I would see them live anytime I get the chance. Sweet. So, hey, Jr. I, I just want to say thanks for taking up. So much time with so many picks. You're like a fascinating of the week hoarder. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a hoarder. I'm a, I'm a curator. Curator. Not a hoarder. I'm he's, a curator. Do, he's trying to give it away. 
Uh, nice try, Clay. How about how about Justin? You got you got uh, you're allowed up to five picks because of Jr. Right. Good. Good. No, I've really got the one. I, I, I'm fascinated by Apple's decision to start making its own TV and movies. Mm, um, yes. That's a such a strange move. I, I I I don't know. It's just strange. I'm fascinated by it. Like it's a it's a massive risk. Um, the, so and their layer, layers to it for me. It's like I, I, do I do I trust? Because they're an like it's just so weird. They're an aging company. Like they like Apple is getting old. Yeah. Like they used to be young and hip. They're not. No. So do I trust Apple's curation to create great enough? Uh, media to justify having its own TV and movies. That's a fascinating question. Two, are we moving to this place where like, like you've got Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and now Apple and then, and Google, et cetera. Like, are, are we, are we moving to a place where like at some point there's going to be some other entity that comes in and you have one subscription that allows you access to all these other, other subscriptions the same way we do with CBS and ABC and Fox and HBO and Showtime. Yeah. Like, are we just replicating the same crap online that we had on the TV yeah. or like what's actually going on here? It's such a strange movie because, well, because Disney's getting ready to launch their own service. Well, that's going to happen at the same time. That's the thing is like yeah. they're both launching in the fall. Apple and Disney are both going to launch in the fall. Uh, DC already has their own, which would be a waste of time, except that Doom Patrol is on it. So it's so, like, it's just like all of this about like where you get your media, et cetera. It's always fascinating to me. Like I was an early subscriber to you, to, to Hulu. And I thought that was such a cool idea. And then I've watched it, you know, same thing with Netflix. I was the guy that got DVDs, but <laughs> Apple moving into that was like, and the, the, the element of it that was that like sparked most of this was the fact that they're actually going to stream Apple shows on Roku. Huh. Like Roku will have access to Apple, uh, Apple Media, which like, wow. Like, and I know that's a minute, strange little detail, but to me, it exposes so much about how, like, about like the world we're moving into and subscription and how we understand media and ownership and access. And I'm fascinated by the whole thing. This is this this is very strange and weird. And it might be great. I don't think it will be, but we'll see. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been episode number 221. Our guest has been Justin McRoberts. Uh, hopefully you'll be back before 442. Yes, sir. Um, and and uh, we'll, let us know if you'd buy those t-shirts. We'll make them, I guess, probably, if you'd wear them. So uh, <laughs> thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another great episode. Until then, thanks, as always, for listening. Reach out to Justin. Let him know you enjoyed having him on the show. Pick up a copy of his book, Prayer. And until next week, Thanks for being out there listening. I totally, this went off the rails. Take care Sometimes of you just say more than you intended to say, in my experience. I know. And look for the voluptuousness I I, of his holiness <laughs> in stores. The hoarder, the hoarder of words. I'm a hoarder of endings. <laughs> Ending hoarder. Well, there we go. We're done. Uh, Thanks, we're everyone. Done, everyone. Bye. That is, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's the new ending. Well, there we go. We're done. We need to tidy up this conclusion. Didn't spark joy. I mean, <laughs> this is why we have it sparked a lot of joy for me. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my goodness, that was ridiculous. It's okay, man. Stuck it's only our 221st episode. We have time. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> amen and amen.